0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make
1: it to your colon, alive. That's why Seed developed a patented 2-in-1 capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit seed.com slash And use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month.
2: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallets, Smart Money Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hey, this is Sarah Putt.
4: What's good, everyone? This is Nee Darko.
0: This is Vincent Puglisi, and you'll listen to the Earn and Invest Podcast.
2: I have to admit that I mostly have given myself a pass. I don't really work much on self-improvement, no self-help books, no courses, no coaching, except for a short stint with a physician coach 10 years ago. However, to say that I have not been intentional would be a mistake. I have strove for and achieved many things. I ran a very successful medical practice, tried my hand at real estate, wrote, podcasted, and have been on several large stages. Yet, I don't spend much time plotting out my goals brainstorming for my future, or God forbid, vision boarding. It's that time of year again, and everyone is either talking about or bemoaning New Year's resolutions. While I'm not a big fan, this year I'm thinking more about how we become intentional about our future. Today we ask the experts, if not New Year's resolutions, then what? How do we set the tone, the tone for our future? Sarah Putt, along with her husband, Ray, is the creator of the blog Waffles on Wednesday. She podcasts about occupational therapy on her show, OT for Life. Vincent Puglisi is the author of two books, Freelance to Freedom and The Wealth of Connection. He is the creator and founder of the Total Life Freedom Community. And Renee and Nidarko are practicing physicians and entrepreneurs. They are the creators of the Docs Outside the Box podcast and Pre-Med Strategies, Inc., Sarah, Vincent, Renee, and Nia, welcome back to Earn and Invest. Vincent, let's start with you. Name a New Year's resolution over the last decade or two for you that stuck.
0: Well, I haven't tried any over the last decade or two, so none of them have stuck.
2: Uh, I'm wondering if that's a common theme. Sarah, any New Year's resolutions? Do you even bother anymore? And did you in the
3: past? In the past, completely. Yeah, I was like, sign me up. Let's do this one and this one. The only one that I can remember, and this was probably maybe eight-ish years ago, is I actually had a list, and it was almost like a bucket list of like what I wanted to get accomplished that year. And I think I had about 50 things on there. Didn't accomplish all of them, but I did, I'd say, a significant amount, maybe 35 to 40. But that's it. That was like my most productive year that I felt like I actually did some sort of a New Year's resolution.
2: And what were the resolutions specifically?
3: Oh, I mean, it was anything like read 10 books and travel to a specific place, maybe eat a new food that I hadn't had before. Like, I do know all across the board.
2: Renee, what is it about New Year's resolutions? People either love them or hate them. There's no middle ground, is there?
1: Yeah, I think there is no middle ground with New Year's resolutions. I think people love New Year's resolutions because it's a new year. It makes you feel like there's something about that time of year that will allow you to be a better version of yourself. But people always hate it because to become a better version of yourself, you really think that you might have to do something so transformative and you just can't see the end. You can't see the end of this thing. And so it becomes such a large um, undertaking that people usually drop off very early. Need do we let ourselves off the hook
2: for the rest of the year by settling on New Year's? It seems like by putting it off towards New Year's, we give ourselves a pass for the rest of the year.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Because, you, you know, once you hit once you, the, I always look at it like this, the further away you get away from that New Year's date, the harder it is to maintain that goal or whatever you are striving for. Um, There is no, you know, at, at the fourth quarter or the first quarter of, you know, the new year, I'm going to hit this goal or the second quarter or towards the end of the year, I'm going to hit this. It's by New Year's Day, I'm going to want to be in good shape and that's it. There's never like a point where most people say, I'm going to set a goal and then I'm going to measure it by hitting these milestones at a certain point. And, um, you know, I think that that's unfortunate. I am definitely number one in terms of the biggest offender of that. Um, and for me, I think the biggest thing for me this past year um, that Renee can attest to is, is I said I wanted to be an athlete. And I said I wanted to be a reader. And, um, I don't know if anybody is listening to, has listened to my show, but Atomic Habits really changed my whole perspective on New Year's resolution. So I'll get into that later on. But, um, I think for me, the, the thing that changed for me was not focusing so much on a New Year's resolution or a goal, but as a matter of fact, just working on a system. How am I going to continue this sustained effort, even when things get, you know, really bad? Which for me could be operating or being on call for twenty four hours. And I think I've been able to find, so far for a year, a pretty good system that's able to maintain it. But I'll save that for maybe a f- future questions. Though.
3: Yeah, I-, I love what you just said there. Like, I feel like rather than have it be a resolution, it's really about embedding into our lifestyle, right, and making it a lifestyle change or a lifestyle modification. And that so like ties so deeply to what I do as a profession, where we're really trying to find and uncover this meaningful and purposeful life. And so as we're kind of talking about New Year's resolutions and intentions and what we're going to do next year, the next five year and the next 10 years, it really is trying to find something that, it, that you want to bring into your life that will bring that meaning, bring that purpose, but embed it into your lifestyle that it's not a just kind of one and done or oh, it's my resolution. I did it. Okay. And now put it on the back burner, but really kind of making it a life change and bringing it to the forefront forever, or however, however long it serves your life rather than just kind of a, meh, we'll do it once and then we're done.
0: Yeah. I think there's totally a difference between new year's Year's resolutions and goals. I think there's a big difference between that because with me, new year's resolutions, okay, I'm going to kind of coast through December. And I'm really going to get after it January 1st, which I think is such a crock. And I think it, not only does it stop us in the upcoming year, it slows us down in this year. It gives us the past that way, too. I'm not going to worry about that yet. You know, the holidays are crazy, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to slow down. But when, but then January 1st comes. I got these intentions. Well, something gets in the way on January 11th or, you know, somebody's sick January 18th. You know, with gyms, they're empty by by Valentine's Day right? They're packed January 2nd. So nobody's talking about this on August 23rd when they're going on vacation to the beach. They've forgotten about everything. So why is it just that one time that we set these goals? It really is a hindrance, I think, more than a benefit because you know, as you were saying, Sarah, like, as you have these goals, as you have these structures in place, you were saying this, that's consistent. That's something that you could do at any point, at any time. It's not based around one day that almost is an excuse to slack at the end and slack at the beginning.
2: Renee, I'm kind of reminded about this idea that New Year's is easy, right? Because it's once a year. It feels like a new beginning. But do you, for yourself, have a self-assessment schedule? Like, do you look at what you're achieving and what your goals are quarterly or every six months or every year? How do you do it for yourself?
1: So (laughs) my husband's looking at me like, yeah, how do you do that? (laughs) Um, So I will tell you that. I'm not so organized that I actually do this. At one point, you I think I be, was. Yes. yes, at
4: one point Tell them about I the was. Excel document, please.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a point at which, um, right before I graduated from residency, I had a what I called a professional development strategic plan, and I followed that plan um, for about. Up until about five years after residency so it 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 served me for about a good seven years Um, and so that professional development strategic plan really helped me to reach certain milestones in my career that i felt at the time were very important to me um now as that's kind of you know, as life has gotten in the way, and I'd like to blame my husband because, you know, before I got married, I was on a plan. And after I got married, I was no longer on a plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd like to get back to being that organized again. Um, but that's that's one thing that really served me. It's kind of like what Sarah said, you know, she had this list, you know, one year and she really went through it. And I think. Writing down our goals, regardless of whether or not you want to do it on New Year's, which I agree, Vince. I think, you know, it, it's a, it gives you a pass to say, well, I'm going to do it on New Year's because then you can forget about it during the whole rest of the year. But I think writing down your goals and constantly be reminded, reminded of it, um, really helps you to organize yourself and maybe even seeing that check off of yes i did it will motivate you to go to the next level so maybe not quite vision boarding boarding <laughs> doc you know maybe not quite vision boarding um, but certainly having something to keep you motivated you know i to be
4: honest with you i, I you know is i'm very like I, I'm, I'm not as well spoken as renee and i always have to oftentimes go to the point and just say like this is what works for me you know it's hard for me to be thoughtful or think about where I wanna be at the end of the year if I have so many cluttered thoughts in my mind, if I don't have any type of direction, so to speak. Um, so for me, what I'm learning is that oftentimes I need to subtract in order to move forward. There's a lot of clutter in my mind. There's a lot of things that I may have said yes to. Um, there's even just like subscriptions that just may pop up with TV and all these different things. You, there's times when you just have to go back and look at things and say, I don't need this, I don't need that. And I think for a lot of people, they need to do that also and just say, "Hey, do I really need to be going to this on you know this event on the weekends that really doesn't benefit me, or do I need to be spending time with this?" So for me, you know what I do now is I've been subtracting things out of my life um, that I kind of find either trivial or just aren't really offering much uh, meaning to me, and that allows me the time to kind of say, "You know what?" Now I have time to think. I don't feel like I'm constantly just going from project or a task to task. And I can actually think three months, four months, maybe even a year in advance. The biggest thing for me is I just wanna be in better shape or I want to think about podcast episodes that are gonna be better off for my consumer. Um, but if I'm constantly just thinking about, well, I gotta get an episode out next week or it's the beginning of the year, let me just exercise. And we don't know what's gonna happen after that and not set up a plan. For me, it all just falls by the wayside, and I'm back to square one.
0: So, that's what's been working for me. To, to your point, it, it, I, we talked to somebody last night, and they're so stressed; like it's just running nonstop. Their kid got into a soccer um, club that they have to drive them to. They're in high school, so now that's taken up you know five nights a week. And I'm reminded this really changed my life years ago. I heard John Maxwell say, "Never underestimate the unimportance of just about everything." Yeah, and. I, I live by that a lot of times, so I don't feel guilty saying no. Like I just did a, a blog post the other day about laziness is my superpower. I have no problem saying that I'm lazy because the fact that I'm lazy allows me to think and take time and not overschedule and not put everything in there because it needs to be done. But when I could sit there for three hours and do absolutely nothing, and I'm not even lying about this. I'll sit there and just stare. My wife will think I'm a psychopath. I'm just thinking. But that one idea comes up. And then that's the one idea that everybody goes, that's awesome. It's because I sat there thinking. I'm not running around like So I say no constantly to a lot of different things. And I don't feel guilty about it because almost everything is unimportant. But when you know what is important, what are the non-negotiables in your life? I've got non-negotiables in my family, in my health, and in my business. It's simple. Those things get done because it's not cluttered with all that other stuff.
3: I think that's a really important point to bring up, that most people, when we're talking about resolutions and goals and, and what we want to be doing, it's usually adding. And I love what you said, Dr. Nee, about subtracting and Vincent saying no, right? Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it back. There's an article written by the, the Happy Philosopher, and it's titled Alligators and Kittens. And I swear, that article changed my life on how I reflected on things. And really, it boils down to you can't add in good. You can't add in the kittens in your life if you still have all these massive alligators that are sucking time, energy, money, whatever it is away from your life. And as we're kind of moving forward and setting these new goals, if we have these big looming alligators over our head, those goals are just going to get swallowed up. You know, those kittens are going to get swallowed up by the alligators. And so I think it's a, it's a reframe of letting go of what we don't need to do. To be able to then focus to bring in new or to to focus on things that maybe have kind of fallen by the wayside.
2: Renee, I'm interested in this idea, and I bet your husband is going to chime in after you do. We're talking about subtraction, we're talking about the unimportance of almost everything. Are goals and resolutions unimportant? I mean, I feel like sometimes we don't have a lot of control over outcomes, but we do have control over our systems and our habits, should we be less goal-oriented?
1: I don't know that we necessarily need to be less goal-oriented. I think goals are part of, I think goals are a way for our minds to imagine where we could be, right? I think that that's what it is. The problem with goals oftentimes is that our imagination runs so much faster than we are actually moving and so you know as as nee attested to earlier he's accomplished a goal but not for the sake of just thinking about the goal he accomplished the goal for a or in a different way right so not just i want to reach this goal i want to reach this goal he actually created his own identity a new identity for himself so he you know decided that he wanted to be athletic right he wanted to be someone who was in shape well if you are an athlete or if you are someone who believes in fitness then what you do is you exercise that that's what you do right and so that will help you to reach the goal that you want but essentially it helps to set up this this new identity, this new system for yourself, right? I am a mom, for example, right? And my my ultimate goal is to raise, you know, productive children in the world. But, you know, that goal is, <laughs> I have no choice but to wait on that goal because my children actually have to grow up. So in the <laughs> meantime, right, I have to do all the things that a good mom would do. I have to feed them, clothe them, read to them, do homework with them, take them out, explore the world, give them all types of experiences. I literally have no choice, but to take on this identity as a mother so that I can reach that goal. And at the point at which my boys are older and working hopefully and productive in society, is that's at the point at which I can say, huh, I reached the goal. The problem is we don't we don't see most goals in that way, because most goals don't necessarily in our minds, they shouldn't anyway take that long. But they do. Some of them do.
2: Nii, nee, walk us down this road a little further. I feel like this pulls into what you started to talk about with atomic habits and reading that book. This idea of doing the thing as opposed to reaching the goal.
4: Yes. Exactly. So just like Renee said, she wants to be a mother who raises children who are productive or what'd you say? Yeah.
1: Productive, right. Good to society. Yeah.
4: But part of that is Renee putting in the work and being productive in front of her kids so that she's laying the model for them. Right. So just like, you know, Vince said, like it's, If you set up a New Year's resolution that starts January first, and you kind of slack off before you get to that point, you literally are not putting in the work that it takes to start that behavior, right. So for me, you know, the biggest thing was, well, I needed to start waking up at five in the morning, maybe 530 in the morning to just start doing something in the morning, whether it's thinking to myself or journaling to myself or even just exercising. You know, and I used to give myself such a hard time. Oh, I missed waking up at five o'clock. I miss waking up at five thirty. I might as well not work out at all. I'm going to trash everything. I suck and all those different things until I realized that it's really important just to improve one percent every day. How can I improve at least by one percent every day? Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, the hardest thing was waking up in the morning. So not even working out. It was just, well, can I wake up at like five thirty in the morning and just literally wake up? and just, you know, go to the bathroom, sit down and think for a little bit, and then maybe just go back to bed. And I tried that for several weeks and it worked. And then I said, well, can I get up and do 530 in the morning and maybe go downstairs and put some shoes on and, you know, watch TV and come back upstairs. And I did that for another several weeks. And after literally like two months of doing this, I was able to just say, okay, my body is at a new homeostasis I can wake up at 5.30. And then how can I start exercising from that standpoint? So for me, I had to change my mindset of, yeah, I wanna be an athlete. And that means that I have to be athletic from day one. No, actually I need to start to work towards becoming athletic. And that includes being up early so that I have time to myself to exercise. That includes getting myself just into the normal habits of doing what someone who wants to work out does, putting shoes on and so forth. So all of this stuff really, I think kind of fed my confidence knowing that if i'm willing to just get better every day no matter what percentage it may be and for me it was just one percent sometimes even less than that um it was a positive it was a win for me and that positivity that daily wins for me kept me going so that when we get to august 23rd and i look at all the stuff that we've done from january up until now i'm like wow i put in all the work look at all the x's do all the exercises and the workouts that i've did Maybe look at the, the pounds that I lost, look at the books that I was able to read or just listen to by audiobooks, you know, version. Um, so that was what kept me going. And oftentimes when people ask me, Hey, like, I just want to get started on something. I want to change my life or I want to get to this goal. I say, okay, that's great. It's good to have something to aspire to. Now let's work our way backwards and build a system that you can use on a daily basis so that by the end of the year or whatever, is that that time that you want to look back and reflect on that goal? You've
0: reached it. Yeah, and your point on on the exercise—it's simple. You know, you've written books. Same thing with writing a book, right? It's it's a lot of small goal setting to get there, and a lot of people get stuck because I'm not a very good writer. How am I ever going to write a book? You know, I, I sat down to write today, and nothing happened. Well, the only way to write good stuff is to write bad stuff first. Way it happens. So the only way to get in the shape is to go out there and do some type of exercise. Where you go, man, my body is just kind of doesn't feel it today. I'm not doing it. It's it's progress. That's why I think the New Year's resolution to stay on that is, I think it's limiting in so many different ways. Because what happens if you achieve this goal? What happens if you go faster than you planned? And by August 23rd, you pretty much got to that level. Well, you're saying you live in one year increments because somebody else decided on this year. And now you're going to kind of cruise as opposed to, no, we did this. And now what, what, we don't have August 23rd resolutions. <laughs> we don't have September 9th resolutions. Where are you at in your life that you need to up your game? So the whole idea of New Year's just, I always find it to be just so limiting. And to that to that point, that's why when you mentioned this topic, I'm like, I love it because I think we're going to see it, right? How many times we see in our social media feed? Oh, what's your word for the year? Yeah, BS, you're not talking about that word in July. You forgot all about it. You're just doing it because everybody else is doing it now. So it's just, I I push back on a lot of it.
2: Vincent, I wonder, so resolutions are limiting, but I also wonder sometimes if goals are limiting too. I mean, goals can be incredibly joyful when Mm -hmm. you reach them, but often people, for whatever reasons, can't reach them. And then they actually cause people shame and guilt. I wonder the difference kind of between intentions and action. Like I've spent a lot of time thinking about how do I set my intentions as opposed to how do I actually reach certain goals? Goals, can they can they cause pain and, and problems more than happiness?
0: I think it can because of fits and starts. I don't, the word that needs to be used more is consistency with all of it. It doesn't really matter a lot of ways if you have consistency, if you build that into your life. If you talk to the people that accomplish these things, they have balance. They're relatively consistent, right? I come from the entrepreneur world. It's a lot of ADHD entrepreneurs. It's not talked about enough. You go into that world because you don't fit into school because you have highs and lows and you have fits and starts and you're really brilliant in this one thing and you're really awful in this other thing, right? But that's what gets people to build businesses and to get started. What they need more than anything is that drive that they have because they naturally have it a lot of times, but they need consistency to say, Hey, I'm really excited about writing this book in July, and I've completely forgotten about it by August because I have a new idea that I want to do. No, but if you're consistent and you and you give the important things the time, those intentions come about because you become more confident in what you're doing. I think the idea of consistency is so much more important than goals, but I think goals are very important. I have them, and I have goals that I want to reach by next year, but it's not because of some arbitrary date. But I know for me, when I fail. It's because of lack of consistency on what really matters.
2: Sarah, let's talk more about failing, whether we're discussing consistency or goals. It begs a question to me, which I think is good for you because you, I, and Renee are in our little small mastermind group where we discuss podcasting, but mostly just discuss life. Should we be doing these kind of things on our own or should we have more of a group mentality and accountability with other people?
3: I'm going to say both. I think both have a place and both are important. I think we as people have to sit with our own thoughts and our goals and our reflections and we have to kind of unearth some of this maybe uncomfortable things or or maybe things that we don't really want to have to think about. Maybe it is so deep as something as trauma or maybe it's just just some clutter in our life that that we need to kind of sit with. But I don't think that th- that can be done just kind of on an island. I also think that we need this community around us. We need people to support us when we're down, to give us just a shoulder to lean on, to-, to give us an ear to talk to, and also to point out things that we might not be able to see in ourselves or be able to, again, kind of uncover if we're really kind of deep in the weeds of all of this. So it- it's a combination of both and i feel like i've been going through a lot of bo- actually both of what i've been saying i've been sitting with myself trying to kind of figure out what what i'm doing and where i'm going and and what what's going to happen next i'm i'm really in this big transition in my life i have two little kids under 2 and i have been navigating this whole balance of being an entrepreneur running a private practice being a podcast host being a mom, being a wife, all all of these roles that we have to do and figuring out how to actually make that work. And it wasn't until I actually sat down with one of my friends yesterday that she was like you need to you need to unclutter some of this other stuff in your life. Like you you need to deal with this before you can even focus on where you're going to get to professionally or, or or personally, anything like that. And if I didn't sit down with my friend and and have that talk, I'd still be spinning my wheel kind of stuck in the mud trying to figure out where I'm going to move forward. And it's the same thing with, with the masterminds, Doc. Like, how many times have the three of us, we've sat together, and we're like, somebody's talking, and then somebody else says something, and it's like life-changing in that moment of like, I couldn't see that, but you can. And so really, it's, it, it, it's so important to really kind of have both working at, working at the same time, right? And, and really learning to navigate things by yourself, but also having that community to really fall back on and, and lift you up.
2: Need talk about the importance of outside input. How important is it to you when you're looking at your structures, your goals to get other people's opinion, to sound it out with other people?
4: I think the scariest thing sometimes is just being in your own silo. Right. Like, how do you know if what you're doing is working? How do you know if what you're doing at certain times is maybe par for the course for you, but is, you know, woefully behind what, you know, everybody else is doing. So I think it's important to be able to check in or to be able to, um, you know, uh, uh you know, commiserate with a mastermind or, you know, a virtual mentoring through like a podcast or a blog or someone that you aspire to, to find out, okay, well, where should maybe my thermostat be at? Or where should my new homeostasis be at in in accordance to what somebody else is doing? And then come back and reflect. So I do think external input is is important but i also think that it's just as important to have that reflection Um, but if you reflect on yourself for too long oftentimes you know you're not going to keep yourself accountable like somebody else would or like an entire group would or if you check in and see what other people are doing but then there's that hard line between comparing yourself to what other people are doing or literally using their measurements or their sticks for winning as your sticks for winning that it's a tough it's a tough balance. But I tell you right now, I'm not going to lie. Like it's extremely hard nowadays, right? Where, you know, you have literally this remote control of your life, which can communicate with people and talk to people, but you can also do social media and you can see people put fake versions of their lives or fake uh, entrepreneurship goals or what have you in here. And you think that that's what you need to accomplish and that can clutter your life also. So it's really difficult. It's really hard. And I think for me, the best thing that I do is I just I've literally had to take social media off of my phone. That's another thing that I've had to subtract out of my life um, on a daily basis and give literally maybe once a week. I'm gonna check in and plug in and see what everybody else is doing and you know what kind of graphics they're doing on their Instagram reels or um, you know, maybe even for the most part, you know, what people are doing on podcast episodes and kind of compare myself and see how I'm keeping up. Um, but that daily deluge of you know, social media really can cause a significant amount of clutter. So yeah, back to what you're saying. I do think external input is very important, but I'll just tell everybody it's really important not to make sure, or to make sure, excuse me, um, that we're not comparing because that comparing monster could be a beast.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I just had this discussion with um, one of my mentees last night, actually, and she, she's a resident and, you know, she was talking about an interaction that she had with a nurse. It wasn't a positive interaction, but she said something that really perked my ears up. And that was, you know, when I walk into the room, I don't want them to think that I'm stupid. I don't want them to think that I don't know what I'm doing. And she went on talking about this. And I said, you know, the I don't want them to think is something you you should be thinking about in, in a different way, right? Because are you more concerned about what they are thinking when you walk into the room? Or are you more concerned with what you know and how you can help this patient, regardless of what the nurse thinks? And if you walk into the room knowing that you are going to do the best that you can with the knowledge and the skill that you have for this patient, then what the nurse thinks will be very secondary. And actually, what she thinks is probably not your business in that particular moment, um, because your focus should really be on caring for the patient. And the other thing is, you can't care with what everybody thinks, right? Like that that's a very dangerous and slippery slope. You can't care what everyone thinks, because one, not everyone thinks like you or thinks to your benefit you have to really pick kind of your group of people, right? So Sarah, Doc, me, we we get on our masterminds and it's because we respect each other's way of thinking. And so when you have that group, that core group of people that you know are going to be thinking in a way that is to your benefit, they are not your competition, they are not trying to one-up you, they're not trying to trip you up, then at that point you can, care what they think, because it's going to add to your life, not add strife to your life.
2: We are talking to Renee Nidarko, Sarah Putt and Vincent Puglisi, and we're discussing whether New Year's resolutions are bunk. And more importantly, how do we self assess? We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G. And this is the earn and invest podcast. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? It was one of my favorite budgeting apps, but here's the problem. Mint is disappearing. Now we all are stuck with the question, how will we manage our budget and finances now? Well, I discovered Monarch Money, and I have to tell you, I found it simple, enjoyable, and made for users like me. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. There's so many great things about Monarch. One is it's intuitive. When I signed up, I went to the website, and within minutes... I had had all my accounts downloaded. I connected to all my banks. It is collaborative. It's not only made for people like me, but for people like me to then share it with my spouse or my financial advisor or what have you. And Monarch is so customer focused that they're always looking for ways to improve and make their product serve us better. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. This episode of Earn and Invest is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash earn and get on your way to being your best self. Listen. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. And therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships. I know, because when I went to BetterHelp, one of the relationships I wanted help with was that with my father. You see, my father died when I was seven years old, and I had a lot of unresolved issues. My therapist at BetterHelp was actually really good at helping me talk about those issues and start to find answers that normally I would have tried to find with my father, but since he was no longer around, I had to find them on my own, and having a therapist was incredibly impactful in that journey. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com earn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot earn. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Vincent Puglisi, who's the author of two books, Freelance to Freedom and the Wealth of Connection, Renee and Nidarko, who are practicing physicians and entrepreneurs, and Sarah Putt, who podcasts about occupational therapy on her show, OT for Life. And we are talking about New Year's resolutions, bunk or no. Vincent, one way or another, regardless of how you feel about New Year's resolutions, the truth of the matter is, we need some framework of self-assessment and self-improvement. I imagine you guys talk about this a lot in your Total Life Freedom Mastermind. What type of framework do you think is good for you, and maybe for other people, to start looking and self-assessing?
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 really important. I mean, that's that's the balance of this, right? We're not talking about oh, improvement is not important. That's absolutely not. It's it's framing it. I can't remember where, I think it was Stephen Covey that I learned this from, from one of his books, where it was, he had the four quadrants. And I can't, I think he has a name for it. But essentially, I read that in 2005 when our first son was born, when I was starting our first business. And it it hit home like you couldn't imagine, because I realized I was living in the quadrants and working in the quadrants that I shouldn't be in. And I think that's where a lot of people spend their time. It's why we're so stressed out, we're unaccomplished. And when he described quadrant two, which was, Important, but not urgent. And I realized so much of my life was not being done in important, but not urgent. It, and I, I was being I was doing the urgent stuff. It wasn't necessarily important, but it was somebody calling me up, I need this. I need that. It wasn't important in my life or even in theirs sometimes, but it was always urgent. It was always because there was a lack of planning. So we shifted from that moment on. I would say now the majority of our life is spent doing work that is important but not urgent, meaning if I'm writing my blog out for the future, if I'm recording my podcast out for the future, if I'm connecting with people in a way that doesn't need anything today, but a year from now might be an amazing collaboration. There's no desperation in that. So we talk about that a lot within our group in terms of what's important but not urgent because urgent leads to drama. Urgent leads to dropping the balls. Urgent leads to just the stress. If you can get ahead of that, and hey, how are we working for? That's why I love the whole. You know, even a year from now, not necessarily December thirty first, but a year from now, what's your life going to look like? Now you can work on the important things that aren't urgent, based on putting out fires, but in terms of what do you want your life to look like? It's a big difference between that and setting an arbitrary goal because of a date. But it's it's vitally important to do.
2: Sarah, ideally, how often would we be doing this assessment? I mean, obviously, we're not that great at sticking to a schedule, but how often do you think we should be looking at these, quote unquote, goals or habits and reassessing them?
3: Honestly, I think that's going to be a personal, like a person by person choice. Some people are going to need it very structured that they're going to have to do it in Q1 and Q2 and Q3, you know, all throughout the year. Some people might need it every month. Some people might need it every single day, and I think it's really figuring out what works for you, not what works for whatever book or whatever podcast you are listening to and what they're telling you that you need to do it's It's really embedding it into your life, making it a lifestyle change if that's what you want and and moving forward and it's there there's so much. There's just so much chatter. There's so much noise of you need to do it this way to be successful and you need to do this. I mean, in in personal finance, in fitness, in anything, right? Entrepreneurship. There's all these, oh, you have to do X in order to do Y. But that, that's not really the case. You have to figure out what works for you in order to get to that next step, to, in order to reach that goal or to reach that benchmark of that goal or something like that. So honestly, I can't really say that it needs to be done X amount of times every year because some people might need more, some people might need less, but you got to figure out really what works for you. And if it's not working, find it, find something, discover what is working. And if it is working, keep going and keep pushing.
2: Renee, is there any harm when we're talking about these goals or benchmarks in going big? I mean, should we be audacious?
3: Um, I
1: think some people can be audacious. And I think some people being audacious can be very intimidating. I think we need to figure out for ourselves, you know, individually, what is it that we can handle, right? You ever talk to a friend and they they come to you and they say, they tell you what's going on in their lives and you like all of a sudden have this idea for them of what it could be. And you you share it with them and they're like, whoa, 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 like I am like, that's not really what I want to do. I don't want to go that big. Um, so maybe for that person, having the audacity, if you will, is not really helpful. It actually may throw them into a panic. There is the, you know, fear of success. Um, And it's not that people don't want to be successful, right? Oftentimes we hear the fear of success, like, oh, someone's so scared to be successful. It's not that they don't want to be successful. It's that they need to eat that elephant a bite at a time, you know? And so being successful in increments is definitely desirable to them and not necessarily thinking about, you know, the, the end goal. I'm a person that I always hated the question on an interview, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And I'm like, I don't even know if I have this job. So <laughs> why don't we start there? You know, you know, being audacious um, versus kind of tempering yourself, I think is really an individual thing that people um, need to kind of figure
0: out for themselves. To that point about where do you see yourself 10 years from now? It's such a great point to bring up because... We don't even know what work's going to be created in 10 years. You think about technology. 10 years ago, the work that we're doing right now couldn't be done. But I do ask ourselves and other people, even five or 10 years, what do you want your life to look like? To me, it's a big difference. For me, I want to have freedom. That's what we said that, you know, when our first son was born, we we were like, what do we want our life to look like? We want to have no money worries. That's one thing we wanted. No money worries. We wanted to control our time. There was a handful of things that we wanted that no matter what work we did, we can keep attaining towards that life that we want. So no matter what we do cuz we were in photography at that point. We're not anymore. But those goals of where we want to be in terms of our life mattered, but in terms of what do you want to be doing? How do you how do you even explain that cuz your interests change. But I you pretty much know who you are as a person, what kind of life you're going to want. Like do you want do you love living by the beach? Do you want to be in the mountains? That that type of thing. When you can understand those things, you could strive and work towards those goals.
3: Yeah, to piggyback on that, I think once you have an idea of what you want your life to look like, all the other decisions in life somewhat fall into place. And mm-hmm. you can you can test it, right? And be like, okay, somebody asked me to do this. If doing this, will this get me closer to what I want my life to look like? Yes, do it. No, don't do it right or go back to that that urgency or importance right maybe it's not urgent maybe i'll do it in 3 months from now or something like that but having kind of that guiding light of this is this is what i want my life to look like and then using that as kind of a filter across everything else in theory i know it's it's not a perfect system but in theory it makes those kind of daily decisions and the 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 daily stuff that we have to do it, it it should make it a little bit easier when you when you know what you're pointing towards.
2: Me, Renee talked about the fear of success, but as I'm listening to this conversation, what about the fear of failure? How should failure affect this goal setting process?
4: I think we are just trained to be very fearful of failure. Right. Whether, you know, we start at an early age, you know, in school. Um, or, you know, as you work your way up corporate ladder, what, what, whatever you want to do, it's like when there's this type of structure that's there, that's already set out for you that, you know, you really don't have any control of failure is considered a bad thing, but I'm sure as Vincent can, can say as, as an entrepreneur and as me and Renee are starting, you know, in the middle of our, I guess, middle lives of being an entrepreneur right now, like failure is actually the thing that continues to help us grow. Um, so I've had to change my perspective on that, particularly as a surgeon. Um, and I think Renee also as an OB, like failure means like something really bad has occurred and we're just not allowed to really take chances, um, that increase the possibility that someone's life is going to be changed in a really negative manner. But when you are, you know, changing occupations and taking the white coat off for us or the stethoscope off and going into business or going into podcasting or going into content creation, you're going to have to be able to take those calculated risks, knowing that there is a high probability that this ain't going to work. Right. Um, But also at the same time, you know, if you swing for the fences, the the reward could be big. So that's been really difficult, at least for me. Um, to transition from being uber safe for what I do. And I think everybody would want a surgeon to be very safe. Um, but then also at the same time, be able to take that off and switch and do something else where I can ultimately swing for the fences. For me, actually, you know, I, I, it's very me and Renee have actually had an episode about the fear of success versus the fear of failure because there was a point in my life where I was thinking, well, what do I suffer from? the most is it a fear of failure or is it a fear of success and i definitely can say that i'm the definitely i'm the person who likes to take bite sized audacious goals to kind of prove to myself that I can get to the point where, you know, I can take big, hairy, audacious goals um, or big, hairy, audacious, um, whatever it may be. I need to take bite-sized portions of that. Whereas with failure, you know, I'm just like, yeah, oh, let's just, if we fail, whatever, we move on, you know, and that's not that big of a deal. Because for me, I I've, I've failed so much in my attempt to become a physician and I failed so much in these seven years of becoming a podcaster and what have you. That's not that big of a deal for me, at least. Um, So that's my perspective on it is how do you break away from how basically society has raised us? Um, and maybe even depending on what occupation that you're in, how do you break away from that and realize that, you know, maybe you have to be in a circle of folks who embrace um, a fear of failure in order to grow. I am just lucky that I get to wake up with her and she gets to test me all the time and push me and say, hey, no, nee, you're not thinking big enough. And I can say, well, really? Okay.
0: You know? <laughs> Well, let me just say this as the only I thing I think is the only non-doctor on this panel. Mm-hmm. I think we probably have different perspectives on failure because I'm not really having people's lives in my hands with the work that I do the same way that you guys do. But for me, like what I'm known for often are stories and kind of stories in my life that have led to other things and generally they're stories of failure. And so I say all the time, bad choices make great stories because I wouldn't be on stage with if everything went great. It it wouldn't be wonderful. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make people laugh. It wouldn't make it relatable if everything went great. And you know, I learned early on in my career when I when I first started as a photographer, I had failed at everything in my life, including school. And when I decided I'm going to be a sports photographer, which would be my dream job, right? As a 22 year old loser, like man, that would be awesome. Like I could be on the field with these players, and and I said to myself, you know, the only wisdom I probably had in my body at that point was I'm probably going to fail at this. But at least now I'm going to fail at something cool. So I literally had the script ripped out, written out in my head. Like when I failed, like, yeah, you know, I tried to be a sports star for one day. I literally said that to myself because I knew I wasn't going to make it. And then I did make it. And then for 20 years, I got to do that and travel all over the place doing all that type of stuff. It's only because I was able to fail at something cool as opposed to just failure as a bad thing. It's like If you're going to fail, at least go after what you really want. And chances are, if you really want it, chances are you won't fail.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm going to do an imperfect quote of one of my favorite bands, AJR, uh, but a hundred bad days made a hundred good stories. A hundred good stories made me interesting at parties. So but, but same idea. Love so it. Sarah, I want to broaden this conversation. We've been talking about goals. We've been talking about self-assessment. This is a financial podcast, at least somewhat, and we haven't talked anything about money. Does the story change when we're talking about finances or is the process for self assessment basically the same
3: that, that that's a great question and it's funny i'm i'm going to be like real honest here When when you first asked for me to be on this podcast i had this like Oh crap! Moment of wait. It's almost New Year's. Like I don't have a resolution. I I'm not even there. Like I don't even know. Actually, I do know what we're having for dinner. Usually on a, a typical days, I don't even know what we're having for dinner that day. Like I'm I am so just in in the weeds of like making it through. So when you first were like, Oh yeah, we're gonna be talking about this. I'm like, Whoa! I actually haven't even I haven't even got there. But that had nothing to do with your question. But right. I feel like i'm i'm gonna say no i feel like when when you're talking about goals you can really import intention goals, what, whatever this word choice that we're using here the the end the 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 overall topic could be anything and how you get there that that's the important part right there so whether it be money right whether it be fitness so i know we were talking about that earlier whether it be maybe some something personal that you want to aspire to or you want or you want to start working towards, I don't really think it changes. you just you've gotta figure out what's important and I guess the only thing that might play a role is you know if you are working paycheck to paycheck and you are kind of struggling uh with that with some of the financial stuff that can make getting to these goals, getting to these aspirations a little bit harder because you're focused on the finances.
1: So I think that, you know, money, it all depends. Um, It depends on if you actually know how money works, right? When you're living paycheck to paycheck and you don't know how money works and your goal is to make more money, then what you end up doing is living paycheck to paycheck with more money. Um, And so in in the realm of money, I think you can't have a goal about money without having some sort of education about money because that's the only way that you're really going to up the game for yourself.
2: Well, Renee and Sarah, Vincent, I wanted to thank you for being on the show today. What I really take from this conversation is it's not necessarily where you're going, but how you get there. And the problem with New Year's resolutions is you're getting there year round, not just one day of the year. And therefore setting New Year's resolutions Well, it sounds great doesn't last because we have to figure out we have to put a framework in place so that we can be improving, working on ourselves. We can be doing the thing every day as opposed to waiting to some pie in the sky moment when we quote unquote get there. I want to end this episode the way and every episode by just quickly having you tell us what's up next in your life and how people can get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more. Vincent, let's start with you. What's coming up next and how can people reach out to you?
0: Yeah, we're just building out um, the programs that we've created for Total Life Freedom, which is just a lot of fun in terms of different tiers and levels, different um, areas of the people that we, we help. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, the website's totallifefreedom.com. If you wouldn't mind sharing, um, I give away the audio version of our book, The Wealth of Connection, just as a gift. So I can share that with you if you want to give to your audience.
2: And Sarah put what is up next in your life and how can people reach out to you if they want to learn more?
3: Yeah. So you can find me at otforlife.com. That's O-T, the number four, L-Y-F-E.com. And what's up next? I mean, honestly, I I kind of, I kind of mentioned this. Like I'm... I am just I'm getting through life right now and and figuring out having these two kids and 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 really how to I don't even I don't even have the words for for where I am right now. Um but I I do hope in the next year to get a little bit more consistent in my podcast cuz that's been on a little bit of a hiatus since giving birth to my second child. And yeah, just continuing, I think Dr. Nee you said it like I just I, I want to continue to try to be better. Even if I can't be 1% better every day, I, I just want to continue to try to improve, try to feel like I'm a little bit more above ground every every single day. and that, That's where I'm at.
2: And Renee and Darko, two large platforms, not only Docs Outside the Box, but also Pre-Med Strategies, Inc. Tell us what is up next in your lives and how people can reach out to you.
4: Yeah, people can find out about our podcast, Docs Outside the Box, anywhere where they're listening to this podcast or listening to music. Um And you can reach out to us on Instagram at Docs Outside the Box. Um, the biggest things that are coming up for the podcast is we're rebranding to incorporate more me and Renee. Um, and we're really rebranding to incorporate how me and Renee really think about life with money, medicine, as well as mindset. So, um, that includes being way more intentional with the content, being more consistent with the content, as well as, you know, doing more of a shock and awe. Uh, approach with how we're putting content out on social media. So we're really excited about this new content strategy. I think it's seven years in the making. I think it's time we swing for the fences. Um, so hopefully people who are listening to this kind of find our podcast, Docs Outside the Box.
1: Yeah. And as far as pre-med strategies is concerned, it's trying to level up, uh, with the app that I created, the medic app. Um, and you can, you know, if you're pre-med and you're trying to get into medical school, then you can go to M E D E Q P R E M E D dot com. Um, that will get you straight to the app. But otherwise on social media, you can follow me at Dr. Renee Darko, D R R E N E E D A R K O. Um, what's up next for that is, you know, just, trying to get to the next level, trying to get more schools on the app um, to be able to get students connected um, and into medical school.
2: You've been listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. and behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Sarah Putt, Renee Nidarko, and Vincent Puglisi. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Awesome. I'll leave things going just for a moment as we chat. Um, yeah thank you guys for that interesting conversation i know that again the, the the bane of people's existence is this idea of new year's resolutions but there's something underneath that that's actually important right so maybe it's not the right way to go about it um but this idea of how we improve and how we measure ourselves and how we become what we want to be i think is just so important
4: yeah I hit it on the nail yeah
1: so. this was a great conversation um you know, I think every year, I think people know that New Year's resolutions typically don't work, but we don't care. Right. We do it anyway. And so the question becomes, you know, well, how detrimental actually is it? Right. Is it really helpful or is it a way for us to, fa- you know, just fail at something and not just fail for the sake of getting better, but literally fail for the sake of not doing anything towards what we said we wanted
4: to do i think i think if you throw on top of that the fact of social media the fact of Mm -hmm. tv and you know things are constantly hitting you you know 24 7 with that algorithm so yeah yeah, like you when you see other people who are putting new year's resolutions or you see other people who are hitting their goals Mm quote-unquote constantly throughout the day then there is a sense of comparison you're like well if they can do it why can't i do it and Mm -hmm. because i'm not doing it then it starts this internal negative reflection or cycle that I think a lot of people go through. And, you know, it's it's very difficult to break out of that. And um, I think that's what makes the New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. part really detrimental because you're constantly competing against someone who may be putting up fake results. And this algorithm is just exponentially mm-hmm. feeding it to <laughs> you. And you're just like, I suck. I suck. I suck. I need mm-hmm. to get better. I need to get better. So I think it's difficult.
3: Yeah. Well, or it's- or it's just somebody that's in a completely different life stage than you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like I follow I follow this one PT and she's absolutely amazing, but she's single. She has no kids and she can, she can crank all day long and she can work all day long. And when I didn't have kids, I was married, but I didn't have kids. I was still able to do what she was doing. And now I'm like, I, I, I might get an hour, maybe. I might get an hour to myself every day. How can I build the empire that she's building in that hour? I can't. And so I think a, I think a lot of people get lost in com- that, that comparison, right, of like not understanding where everybody else is and what they're dealing with and, and what you are dealing with and how you can actually mm-hmm. do <laughs> with what you have. And that's something that I've really been just kind of grappling with this whole time of figuring out what can i do what what do i want to do and what can i do and what is actually possible yeah appearances, i don't know if I...
4: appearances are deceptive right yeah. look at will yeah. smith and look mm-hmm. at uh twitch right yeah. oh my god <laughs> right? that poor man so. Yeah,
2: I'm actually doing an episode where I'm going to talk about Twitch with um, Leaf, Physician on mm-hmm. Fire, because yeah. mm-hmm. I want to—I really want to have a deeper discussion about what happiness looks like and right. how happiness on the outside doesn't necessarily look like happiness on the inside. Yeah. And I think finances play a big role in that, right? Because oh, yeah. people and their bling and they're even having whatever it is. Some people it's showing off the money, conspicuous consumption. For other people, it's saving, but. Mm-hmm you know mm-hmm. at the bottom does that make you happy twitch probably had plenty of money and he actually had plenty of love too which makes mm-hmm. you like it really makes you start questioning right this guy who's pretty successful maybe he didn't meet every goal he wanted but the guy was pretty darn successful mm-hmm. he probably had decent amount of money he clearly had a loving family and kids and like mm-hmm. like it starts really making you question like okay what is it like what are we missing mm-hmm. um
1: well you know nee did a um a podcast episode with uh it, she's a Former OBGYN Stephanie Pearson, mm-hmm. um, what, sometime like maybe two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And she got injured, um, and at literally at 40, her career was cut short, um, because she, she just couldn't deliver and actually almost had, you know, a pretty bad outcome, um, because of her injury. And so, you know, they were talking about disability insurance, but what struck me about that particular episode was that she, Realized that her income potential was no longer where it needed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and that it was affecting her family. She had two kids, a husband, um, and she was a breadwinner of her family. And so she got into a really dark place, but it wasn't just, you know, being in a dark place. It was a calculation that she made that really shocked me. And that was, well, if I kill myself. Mm -hmm. then the insurance money will be something that my family can live off because right now I'm more of a burden than I am a help. And so that calculated, you know, not even the I'm so sad, I, you know, I can't live like this anymore. But that calculation, like that financial calculation that she made, it literally brought me to tears. I was so sad for her. Like, wow, like, wow you know yeah, yeah um so you know it's you just never know why someone does this um and you know we often assume it's 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 just because they were just so sad but maybe maybe there is some component to some people where they just make this calculation and the subtraction is them Yeah, and that's what they do so yeah very yeah,
2: sad. we convince ourselves of these goals. Maybe for her, oh, the goal that she convinced herself of was that the financial stability for her family took precedence over her which, life, which no one else in her life would have made that decision, which exactly. is
1: just,
2: and that's, what's so hard about being in that place. And that's what's so hard about depression, right? Is you, yeah. your brain starts functioning in a vacuum. That's very different. Um, yeah.
1: Very irrational. Yeah. Yeah.